Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, where our job is to help you build visibility, professional credibility, and connection with your ideal client by putting the human at the center of innovative marketing so you can build and strengthen an engaging, enduring relationship with your ideal clients. I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm honored that you're here with me. If you haven't joined our wonderful marketing transformation community yet, go to innovabiz.co and collect your free gift as well. Do subscribe to the show and also leave a review because it helps others find us. Let's get into today's masterclass on this InnovaBuzz podcast. That realisation of our purpose in business was the key. Once we understood our purpose, we could work out what our brand promise was, what our real vision was, what our values were, the customer cause was, you know, why are we doing it, and what are, we, what are we saying to the customer. And that was, for me, the most defining moment in our business. Welcome back. I hope your week's been awesome so far. Now, if you haven't listened yet to my recent conversations with Elizabeth Pampalone of Absolute Marketing and with Matthew Sweezy, the author of The Context Marketing Revolution, then do check them out, but only after you've listened to today's conversation. I'm really excited to have on the Innova Buzz podcast as my guest today, Paul Chapman. He's the founder and executive chairman of the Australian Turntable Company, which is a 30-year-old specialist, world-leading engineering company designing and manufacturing mechanical rotational movement systems. The company's core business is delivering traffic management solutions through space optimization in the residential, commercial mining and construction industries, and they do that all around the world. Paul has fostered a strong global quality and innovative mindset to allow Australian Turntable Company to now export its products to over 20 countries worldwide and be a recognised leader in Australian advanced manufacturing. Paul's current roles include strengthening the reputation of the multi-award winning company as a world-class specialist solutions provider and also promoting regional-based advanced manufacturing and public speaking on innovation. So today's conversation will be pretty wide-ranging. In our discussion today, Paul talked to me about talking to customers and listening and taking on board feedback and complaints as a source of potential innovation. We talked about bringing people together to facilitate innovation, and we talked about the importance of being process-driven. Without further ado then, let's fly into the hive and get the buzz from Paul Chapman. Hi, I'm your host, Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm really excited today to welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast from very close by in relation to many of my guests, and that's from Bendigo, Victoria, Australia, Paul Chapman, who's the founder and executive chairman of the Australian Turntable Company. Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast. Paul, it's a great privilege to have you as my guest. Jürgen, it's a pleasure to be here, and uh, I'm looking forward to having a chat with you. Me too, me too. Now, Dan Archo, who was our guest on episode 344 of the Innova Buzz podcast, suggested that we get in touch with you and have a conversation. So big hello to Dan. Now, the Australian turntable company. So uh, some people might be thinking we're going back into the days of uh, vinyl records, but that's not the kind of turntable we're talking about, is it? Um, so before, but before you tell us about the business and the products, uh, what is it that drives you and how did that shape what you do today, Paul? Uh, Jorgen, 
I don't want to stop, put it that way, because I'm being driven every day by the excitement of, of uh, business, uh, the people around the business, the opportunities are out there everywhere, not just for my company or our company, but never cease to be amazed at what others are doing, and particularly around uh, developing product, uh, inventing new products, and innovating uh, their businesses to adapt to their ever, ever, very rapidly changing world we live in. I think it's exhilarating. I actually think, to tell you the truth, I think COVID has brought out the, the most amazing results of uh, people's innovation and initiative. I, I love it. I love watching every bit of it. So, yep, I'm driven by what, people, yep. what everybody's doing. Yeah. Well, one, one of the things that's come out of COVID certainly is people have been motivated in some ways to adapt and to find resources and be resourceful in a way that they perhaps have never been required to do so before. And that, that certainly brought about some interesting developments, hasn't it? Yeah. And it's, it's, it's helped people realise uh, their inner strengths and their inner, inner abilities. Like so often, they've never had to dig deep uh, in adversity, but they've found that they can, and it hasn't been that difficult when we look back. And you can't help but think of our, our forebears and forefathers and some of the adversities they went through uh, and how much more privileged we are to overcome them. Uh, so I think we've done really well. I think uh, people uh, will see there's been plenty of positives come out of this. It's a it's a it's a challenge, you know. Many many people in businesses, for instance, have those challenges. Often, the farming communities have those challenges. Every few years, they'll be hit mm. with a, a drought or something like that for two or three years. So they dig deep and say, "Well, we can do that." And I think that that virtue in in all people, and and we see it here in Australia, saying, "We can do this if we get together. We can we can fix the problem." Um, we've got the skills and the minds to do it and the technology. Uh, and that's been borne out yeah, in spades with, with enduring COVID. Hmm. All right. Well, I'll come back to something that you mentioned there in a moment. But um, now I think it's time to clear up the that conundrum about the turntables <laughs> and tell us a little bit about what the business is for our listener who may not know about Australian turntables and how it came about, because I think that's a fascinating story. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm an old vinyl man myself, uh, being at 69 year old, we played plenty of records over our years, uh, Jurgen. Um, but this is this did have an interesting start. Uh, my wife Nettie and I were married young and, and had a young young family, and uh, we found that we uh, we needed to. Uh, you know, find opportunities in the workplace, which we did by just getting out and uh, uh, and exploring. Uh, I found myself starting in things like uh, construction as a labourer, uh, trades like um, roof tiling and and uh, carpentry and things like that, but never really felt that that excited about it um, until we got into the hotel and into the um, hospitality industry and that hospitality industry which prior to us being married I, I'd, I'd been in just as a barman and a bar manager and those sorts of things in the country and really enjoyed it, really enjoyed that conversation aspect of being in the pubs but when when we moved to Bendigo uh, in around about 1972-73 I was actually came up here to play footy uh, with one of the local clubs I attracted the stuff to play footy in paid us a few dollars to, to do that, which was handy for us. Uh, we eventually found ourselves um, taking, starting two or three businesses, and they were all good. But I had uh, the opportunity to coach a local football team in the, in the country, population of 120 people <laughs> on a big town, but it was fabulous. It was a fabulous, fabulous community and still is, and I learned so much about that community by coaching the footy. But after the footy finished, I actually had the opportunity to buy the pub. And we did. We bought the pub uh, and stayed there for five years and made a good fist of that and sold that. And, and um, 
as you do in small country hotel towns, publicans generally last about five or six years and then they move on. So we did that and I came back to Bendigo and bought a home and set up a couple of little food shops, which were very good, but you know, I just did it to do something. But one day I was visiting my, my dad, who's now since gone to God, and um, uh, he was in his 80s. And I, met, I went down there one day and I had a few dollars in my pocket because we'd sold the pub. <laughs> I went down and visited him and he, he only had one eye. He'd lost an eye in the war. And he was a big-headed old devil, and he was trying to get his trying to. He was still driving, believe it or not, <laughs> trying to back out and reverse out onto the out of his garage onto the road. And he was getting in all sorts of bother. And he said to me, "I should build myself a turntable." <laughs> <laughs> and he'd been an engineer, you see, in his life, a structural engineer, and he had uh, his eldest son in that business at the time. And I said, what are you talking about? What's that? And he told me all about it. I sort of had nothing to do. I said, well, let's do it. <laughs> so we did. <laughs> we did. And, um, and from there we recognized something bit me to say, there's more to this than you think. And there we go. 33 years later, we're probably number one in the world at what we do. Um, we export to 22 countries. We've got a fabulous team of people around us. Uh, the founder and his wife have, uh, work um, not all the time. And recently we're asked, listen, uh, Dad, Dad, maybe it's best you work from home. <laughs> <laughs> Keep out of our hair, yeah. <laughs> uh, we've had a great succession in the, in the business. I have three sons in the business, one's managing director. We have a general manager from outside, about 35 people on board. Two of the other sons are in managerial positions. And and, and proudly, uh, Jorgen, I'd say the, the greatest achievement I've had in that business, and my wife is keeping that group together. And we're best mates, and we're best, and the girls, their wives, and the kids are best mates. Uh, and that would be, at this point in time, that's a very satisfying uh, accomplishment. And uh, but we're very good at what we do, and that's not being arrogant or, or facetious. It's just simply we specialise in what we do, and that's one mechanical engineering movement. And that specialisation has played a very big part in our success. At the moment, as I said, we're we're exporting to twenty-two countries, and in a number of different industry sectors. So for for people to understand what we do. We actually spin very big things around in a in a in a, a residential sense. We we allow people to drive their cars into their garage or into their uh, into their driveway, and they drive onto one of our platforms, and they can use that platform to re spin around to drive out again in a forward direction. So we allow vehicles to enter and exit any situation in a forward uh, direction. That means we we eliminate the reversing procedure. And when you apply that uh, uh, thinking to uh, any industry with any vehicles, uh, it's got its applications, mining, uh, shipping, uh, aviation, all use our products simply to eliminate the reversing procedure of vehicles. And to keep it very, even to, to keep it simple, when you do that um, in, in, um, commercial applications, you actually improve productivity and improve safety. So we've been able to develop a business on turning vehicles around in, a, in a, the most efficient way. When you turn a vehicle around on a platform, it requires 50% less area to do that than, you, than by conventional means. So we found after a few years what we were really selling was not turntables, we were selling space. And that's, uh, that's our business, we sell space. And involved in the space industry right now. And I love, <laughs> yeah. And I love that. I love that. You know, you talk about that on your website. I love that you've chunked that up and said, well, you know, what is it that we're really providing? What's the value we're providing? And then that's given you opportunities to kind of branch out from, let's say, where it started. The you know, turning a, a vehicle around in somebody's garage at home or driveway at home to other applications. Yeah. Yeah, and space 
uh, selling space actually is the sustainability aspect of the business. Uh, selling turntables, making selling turntables, uh, people can do, anybody can do it. Uh, they not, don't all do it properly, but uh, it's it doesn't have a, a sustainable life in that in, in that sense. But selling space does. Uh, space is at a premium all around the world. So that's what we found out, and when we found out and understood our purpose, that was uh, that was a, a pivotal moment for us. So there, that's what we do, and we do all sorts of things, revolving restaurants around the world. We've actually done the world's largest revolving restaurant in Iran, for the uh, in Tehran for the Iranian government, and that was a great that mm -hmm. was a great project, and we we had such a wonderful time. Uh, just prior to that, we'd been doing a lot of work in the Middle East. Uh, in revolving restaurants uh, and in other places, Iraq, Iran, Dubai, Qatar, uh, Oman. Uh, we, we built a bit of a reputation in that area in various projects. Uh, and um, Southeast Asia took us on. So, that, yeah, that, we're all over the place. Mm, wonderful. All from all from that one turntable yep. in your dad's yep. garage. And you know, you know what? Yeah. I still can't weld. <laughs> they won't let me in the factory to weld. They reckon I'll blow the place up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, there's a lesson in that, isn't there? You don't, you don't need to be the technician in your business to have a successful business. Hmm. You get the right people with the skills to do that, and yeah, the business. I, I love on on the website you've got the values triangle. You talked about purpose there, but it kind of has this values triangle of purpose, promise and and practice and it's all nicely integrated. So tell us a little bit more about that and how you kind of developed that. Well, that is a great story. In fact, it was a, a watershed moment in the, in the company's history and we've had three of them actually in particular. We started this in 1987. We incorporated the company. It was started under another name, but then incorporated the company in 1990 as Australian turntable company. And particularly we're, we're focusing in on hiring equipment to the exhibition and display industry. You'll recall all of the motor shows that people have had over the, companies have had over the years. You've probably been to some around the world where you go and see the latest and, uh, and greatest in the, in the auto industry. And um, in around about 87, I, I was trying to figure out where in the hell I could use this product. If I did get, if I did do something with it, and I did some research and got talking to the Ford Motor Company in Melbourne, and I said, "Listen, would you like to try one of our turntables for the exhibition industry?" They said, "Hell, would we ever?" I said, they said "The stuff we've got's awful. Hmm. It breaks down. It's poorly serviced. <laughs> the people who do it don't do it properly." I said, "We're desperate for new turntables." So we did. We tried one with them, and they ended up. My first order in the auto industry was seven car turntables for Ford, for their exhibition circuit. Mm. And it really kicked us off. And we'd only done two exhibitions when all the other companies came to us and wanted stuff. So rather than, rather, we actually then decided what we'll do is we'll hire those products for the exhibition and convention industry circuit as opposed to selling it. And then when you got into, the cir into that circuit, which is not much different to uh, being part of a circus, uh, it's more sophisticated. You ride around in planes rather than in the, in the back of caravans. But you still, what you still really, and you and you you put up motor cars instead of elephants and giraffes, instead of carting them around. But the principles are the same. What you're doing is you're putting a show on. You you have to put it up in a very quick fashion. You've got to pull it down in a quick fashion, and you take it to another town. Now those towns just happen to be the capital cities. But a, an exhibition circuit in the motor car industry was simply doing a motor show at uh, Melbourne, and then going to Sydney, and then to Brisbane and Adelaide, and then Perth. So we're very much of the very much in the same vein as, as uh, the circus people. And we enjoyed it. But you know what we weren't doing? We had such a good little gig going that we just kept using the same product all the time. Nobody was really complaining. It was better than what had been done in the past. But we weren't doing anything with it. And I wasn't really taking much notice of it. We were, we were going well. Until one of our... One other... Uh, player in the industry who's doing something else in the industry, quite different, recognised that if he took up one of our turntables and 
copied it and painted it a different colour and made a couple of uh, improvements to it, then he could offer that turntable to the motor companies in the total package. So they, instead of getting, say, for instance, uh, lighting and rigging and all those sorts of things as a separate and a turntable is something else and the builders of the of the stand is something else, somebody come along and said, listen, we're going to, we're going to, uh, we're going to throw a turntable in for you. You don't have to go and hire one. <laughs> in one day, in one week, in one week, in 1999, we lost our whole next year's business because <laughs> all the motor companies, wow. <laughs> all the motor companies said, well, we don't have to hire a turntable now. We'll get off this other mob. So that was a real lesson in, in, uh, and we needed it. I needed that. I needed a little uh, kick in the backside because we we hadn't been taking enough notice of our business. It was just going along nicely. So we looked in the mirror and we said, well, let's do this properly. And to do it properly, we knew we had to change everything within the business, our approach to how we did manage our own business, how we did it ourselves because we're still family. And the boys were very young then. It was only a couple of minutes at the time. And we addressed the situation of how do we do business properly and we improved all of the basics of it to start with and immediately went into designing a product that would be better again than what the person, the company that copied ours did and we'd go back into the marketplace, which we did. Um, but we realised that if we were going to do that then we had to get better overall and the way to do that was four years later we found that we we become ISO accredited quality assured accredited that was that was a major step so the first pivotal mo the first moment mm. was losing business four years later becoming quality assured accredited really proper processes and procedures and how we did things made us globally uh, recognized accredited but about five years after that I've been watching the great developments happening in New Zealand around textiles and fabrics on the back of the, the wonderful wool industry and what they are delivering beautifully fine wool to uh, to uh, other countries around the world. But what the New Zealanders did, they said, well, listen, rather than just sell our wool, let's, let's go into textiles and fashion ourselves. And they, they engaged in real quality design. And, and I don't know if they've taken an interest in this, and then they applied that to their timbers and all sorts of furniture. Now, delivering all this great stuff out of New Zealand. Well, lo and behold, um, not long, I've been watching this for years, lo and behold, the Victorian government came up with a program of, for companies to embrace all of the solid design principles. They called it design to business. And they would help teach companies to embrace those design, solid design principles all throughout your business and uh, and make yourself a better business. Well, lo and behold, who was running that program for the government was a New Zealand company. So we jumped into it. Hmm. And that was the time through uh, uh, quite a long, over a long stint working with them, that was the period when we realised what our real purpose in business was. And that realisation of our purpose in business was the key. Once we understood our purpose, we could work out what our brand promise was, what our real vision was, what our values were, what uh, the customer cause was, you know, why are we doing it, and what are, we, what are we saying to the customer. And that was, for me, the most defining moment in our business. And from there, we realised we were selling space. We realised had nothing to do with turntables, and that immediately opened up the world markets everywhere. So rather than just having an exhibition industry to deal with, we were dealing in residential sector, we were dealing in the commercial sector, we were dealing in um, uh, mine sites, construction sites, uh, health, everything you'd think of. Uh, and so, and after that came the revolving restaurants as well. And then the more we did, the more people would come to us to ask us how to how to fix their problem. So that that uh, image you talk about is the core of our business. How do we align values, uh, vision, brand promise, and customer, they, all of those things together. And we link them 
uh, very, very well. And it made everybody understand in the business what, why and what, what we were doing and why we were doing it. That was the moment in our business life that's mm. changed us without a doubt. Uh, and yeah. we, we live those principles. We live our, yeah. Yeah, it certainly struck me as, you know, that's, that's really clear and kind of gives me as an outsider a very clear sense of what you're about and, and what you do. And also what struck me was that there's a very strong customer service philosophy right throughout the business in terms of, of the way you present your brand online. Yeah. And and I know from talking to you in the past that that that's there in in how you run the business and how you treat people. Yeah, well, we do apply the principles of good just the service industry, and I, we always had this saying. I might have t said it to you before, you simply, if anybody came into the pub, we want them walking out feeling better than when they walked in, and that's how we that's what mm. that's how we think about our business now. Make those people feel good that they've come to the right company. Hmm. Yeah. And so there's a, is, there's a lesson there, isn't there, from from the two vastly different businesses that um, on the one occasion, you know, you might be selling food and drink mm. to the patrons in the pub, uh, but it's not really about that, is it? It's about making them feel good and uh, making them feel valued. And you were talking earlier about listening to their stories, um, caring about them as people, I think, is is what I would describe it. And and that's certainly behind your customer service philosophy with Australian Turntable, uh, the Australian Turntable Company as well. We think we're good at that. We feel as though we are good at that. Um, and it requires more listening than talking. Uh, and uh, if I had any messages to pass on to any of our listeners today, it would be that's a, that's a very important part of your approach to dealing with customers. Just, just listen up see what their problem is before you start telling them what they need. <laughs> mm. Yeah, great advice, that one. All right. Now, um, one of the things, um, you know, we, we talk a lot about the crisis in manufacturing in Australia. And, and, you know, you described earlier about working for the car industry and working for the motor shows and we know that uh, virtually there's no car manufacturing of any significance taking place in australia today because they've all shut down or moved offshore what what have you found to be some of the challenges of manufacturing in australia and particularly out of a, a smaller regional town as opposed to one of the big capital cities well you'll hear these things time and time and time again and it applies all over Australia around the demise of the uh, auto manufacturing and whether, uh, and those decisions were out of everybody's hands and the consequences have been what they've been. But it did, it did flow down uh, the line, um, particularly when uh, uh, trade schools were changed and trades were deemed not to be, not to be that important. That was a, that was a big mistake uh, in our governments to allow that to happen. But without getting political around this, the challenges are in Australia at the moment that for years we've been sending our resources for someone else to make. And that's crazy. That is absolutely crazy. If, you're, if your wife can make the best scones and the best cakes, well, why, why in the hell are you going to go down the street and buy someone else's when, when, when she does the best one? Mm. You know, if we can make it ourselves, that would be great. And everybody loves making things. I don't care who they are. You can make a good garden, you can make a, a good meal. If you make something with your hands uh, that's uh, in carpentry or whatever, if you paint a picture, people who do that love doing that. So deep down, I think everybody loves manufacturing. Um, the challenges that have been faced with the manufacturing industry mostly have been around skills and the availability of skills. So governments have approached that with, with um, uh, you know, bringing people in from around the world, immigration and so forth. But I think there's a core, I think there's a, a presently uh, a problem that is easily fixed. And I think it goes back to education uh, and industry's uh, obligations around that. The, 
the issue with manufacturing is, and the perception of manufacturing is, that it's dirty, it's underpaid, and it's insecure. That's the image the kids and their parents have, because that's been promoted uh, heavily by the press. That's what they've been telling us. Manufacturing is dead. Mm. Compared to 1960, manufacturing is in Australia is a lot less than it is now. I argue that in 1960, my football team was different to what it is now. So that's change. You, <laughs> you can't change that. The football team now is a lot better than they were in 1960. So I think our focuses can be, if our focus was on two things, one, uh, changing the perception of manufacturing to allow kids at schools to understand that there is a career they might enjoy. And this, and I want to make this point, uh, Jürgen, kids think that manufacturing is a bloke in the factory with the welder or the person on the production. Mm. They're not being told that the manufacturing includes the people in the front desk on the telephones, not being talked about the accountants, the designers, the engineers, the salesmen, the project managers, and everybody else outside the people in the factory, the operations, the logistics, the legals, uh, the IP, the IT, all of those people, all of those skill sets you need in a business make up a manufacturing enterprise. If we can change the perception of that manufacturing to show to kids these are all of the things that happen in the manufacturing business, then the kids with those innate skills of, take, for instance, uh, selling, you know, they can be the salesperson or they, they can be good in um, procurement because they're good at sourcing things at, at, around um, out of the supply chain. If we change that image of manufacturing at, at, sec at primary and secondary level and change it in the minds of the parents as well, then it'll bounce back. Australia can do anything it wants to do. It's got every resource available. We don't make computers. Well, we'll buy the computers in. That's a different one. Um, you know, so be it. If we do that and then have a great emphasis on advocacy of showing Australians how good we can be and what, how, what, how well we make stuff, uh, that's a great step forward. You know, the Australian-made brand at the moment, Jürgen, is stronger than ever. People trust us. They trust the Australian-made brand. Mm. And we live in a global market. There's nothing, nothing to be afraid of in the global market. If you can't compete on price, don't compete on price. You can't do it. We can't compete on price in some of these certain countries. We don't do it. But what we can compete on is quality. And we've got great quality. And people will buy quality. So the challenges are, to me, mm. and, and particular. Mm. Sorry, Ian. Yeah, I agree with you. I know, and particularly in terms of quality, particularly in the um, specialised areas or high tech areas, where you know there, there's plenty of examples of where Australia's uh, Australians have come up with stuff and developed stuff, and then it's gone off overseas. But if it had been manufactured here and done done well, it it would have had that competitive advantage because it's unique and price wouldn't have been a, a deciding factor as such. And that can be brought back. Don't worry about that. We've, we're in a unique position at the moment. And a lot of that uniqueness comes because those other countries, and I'll refer to China in particular, their standard of living is improving. And it's the technology. Um, uh, cheap labour is not always the answer anymore. Now that technology is available yeah. to everybody around the world, we've, we've become more competitive because technology is technology. Everybody's got it. And... Now, as we move into the next phase of manufacturing, what they call Industry 4.0, uh, that's the fourth industrial revolution. We've got machines, talking to machines, and all this sort of, this sort of stuff. Manufacturing has the most ex exciting future in Australia, and mm. and uh, for everybody, including uh, you know, uh, including all the girls out there. Wonderful opportunities. You don't have to be a welder to be a manufacturer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, of course, uh, we're very parochial. I, I am aware that a lot of our listeners are outside of Australia, mm -hmm. but I'm sure that um, they can em empathise with our view that, uh, you know, a loss of a, a core industry like manufacturing 
it certainly puts a, a country at a disadvantage. And that, that's been highlighted a little bit throughout the COVID times, right, when um, there's been long lead times for imported materials and so on. Yeah. So all of a sudden it's highlighted some areas where, why don't we manufacture that here? I mean, that yeah. sort of seems ridiculous to import that. Yeah. Well, I can't help but think of Angela Merkel when she was asked the question, why is your economy so strong? And she looked at the reporter and said, well, we make things. <laughs> we like making things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so to me, it's, uh, every country in the world's got those strengths, you know, uh, in some capacity. Australia has all these wonderful resources, mm. in particular around energy. I mean, uh, these things are sitting in. We don't have to export those things and, and then have to compete in the manufacturing. It, it, I'm positive. I'm super optimistic about it, Jürgen. Um, this is our journey. This is our history. If uh, manufacturing took a slide for a while, well, it's, that doesn't stop us from bringing it back. And I think we'll be a much better country if we do. Mm. All right. Now, what's the, what's the future look like for the Australian turntable company? <laughs> Actually, it's fantastic. Uh, we are uh, so optimistic uh, for everybody. We're optimistic for our supply chain. We're very busy at the moment in the United States. Uh, uh, that market is opening up for us, and India, mm. and India as well. Um, on the back of people realising that space is uh, at a premium in inner city uh, areas in particular. That's where we do most of our work anyway. Um, so our products are being accepted and recognised and valued. And um, when, you, when you're a valued, it means that the customer is prepared to pay the price. When they recognise uh, what you're doing and um, and the work you do, uh, then being uh, valued is not so difficult. So we're finding uh, our, our entry into the stage. We've been going in there for two years now, and it's growing. But we're bringing a new product into the market, the organ, a first-to-market product into the states, and it's been proven here. You know, in Australia, has been very very, very um, valuable to the end users. And what we're doing there is we're taking a new product into the construction industry where we eliminate the reversing procedures of trucks on construction sites. And the bottom line is there is we improve the number of trucks that enter and exit. But then it has other side, effect, other side benefits, and one of those side benefits is that the traffic on the roads adjacent to the construction sites are not getting held up by trucks reversing in and out, so the traffic flow of the city increase, uh, is much better. So we've got a stakeholder in those city planners and traffic management people as well. So having a market in Australia is, uh, is wonderful. It can be frightening to look at the United States. <laughs> we're, all, we're, we're always game enough to have a crack, to tell you the truth. We've never, we've never been afraid to get up and have a go at it. And there'll be some mistakes that, to be made. Don't mm. worry about that. We've, we've failed plenty of times in this business to understand that it's a very important part of the business. But we are not frightened by it. We understand that we can put processes in place to mitigate uh, serious failure. Innovation is, it mm. needs failure. You're not, not going to get it without it. <laughs> I was I was just going to say that there's certainly lessons to be learned from from failure and and you need to take a little bit of calculated risk right otherwise you're just sitting and treading water for sure. All right, well this is fabulous, Paul. I could go on for ages um, digging into these ideas, but I think it's a good point to move on to the buzz, which is our innovation round, yeah. and it's designed to help our audience who are primarily innovators and leaders in their field with some tips from your experience. So I've got. Five questions. Hopefully, you'll give us some insightful answers and inspire the listener to go and do something awesome today as a result. Yep. So you ready? Yep. Me with it. What's the What's the number one thing anyone needs to do to be more innovative? Uh, keep an alert eye on what can be improved. Innovation isn't just product innovation; it can be process and procedure. Uh, in any part of anybody's business. Um, you can innovate by moving the furniture around if it gives you a better result. And generally, that innovation will come from 
uh, somebody complaining about something. Uh, the number one thing to be uh, more innovative is understand patience and failure. Understand both. Mm. Part of it. Yeah, I love it. And and I like that you said complaints. A lot of uh, a lot of companies have this philosophy, oh, another complaint from a customer and yet, you know, there's there's a gift for you yeah. actually. It's uh, there's an opportunity to improve something. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Now what's the best thing you've done to develop new ideas? Uh that's pretty straightforward for me, um, Jürgen. That's just talk to our customers. Uh, talk to our people. You talk, you listen and talk, yeah. they will tell you. Uh, that's, that's a given. Uh, we've been able to, in the past, in the last 12 months, start to innovate where our turntables have moved from a remote control operation to a telephone operation. Now, I'm no damn good on the telephone at any time. I don't know what buttons to press. I'd rather remote, but our, our markets and our people are telling us it's easier for them to do it with a telephone. So that means they don't have to have a whole bunch of remote controls. So we found that from talking to our customer. What we do know is this. If one person has a problem, so will someone else. And then someone else again, and you'll find that there's a market there. And uh, to develop those new ideas, then there is a process in that. You talk to your customers, listen to them. If you're going to innovate, uh, initiate a very well-defined process in doing that, and that's simply research, uh, all the components that make up uh, innovation and commercialising a product. Um, you've got to verify and validate what you're doing is going to be okay. So, talk, talk, my answer to that is talking to our customers. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. And I love taking that into a process to innovate. So there's, there's the action that comes off the back of what you learn. Yeah. All right. Do you have a favourite resource you use most often? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, the people in the organisation who 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 understand and embrace it. Um, uh, a problem shared is a problem halved, uh, and a success shared is a success doubled. So, I, I, our, our tool is always the people around us. Uh, I've, I've got, if I've got a, a wild idea, I'll at least go and run it by the boys and the, and the engineers and that. They'll um, they'll think about it and say, yeah, let's do it. Or forget it, boss. <laughs> <laughs> go home, get in the garden. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I like the other side of that too, which is the sharing the successes. So if one, one person has a brilliant idea that, um, you put the ego aside and you say, well, implementation of that idea required everybody to get involved and, and contribute. So you share the, the success. Yeah. I love that. Mm. That doesn't happen a lot. No. no. Mm. Okay. Now, what's the best way to keep a, a project on track? Um, we learned this in 2003, and that is uh, uh, be process driven. Follow, follow the steps that you uh, need to follow. And, and as I said a minute ago, they're well documented. This is what quality assurance teaches you. Uh, there's procedures and processes and reasons for each. And once you develop that for your own business, uh, there's templates out to do that. But once you develop your own business, it's, it's easy. You've got to have uh, tick-offs all along the way as to, as to what you're aiming to achieve. If they've been achieved, they've got to be uh, validated by others as well that's been achieved and you just follow that you just follow that process. That's that's the easiest part about the whole lot to tell you the truth. Um, we built we build a turntable and install it somewhere then we've got to get a sign off all along the way that each step has been completed and verified. Um, that that's a that, that's a keep it on track. I, I'd say uh, you know if you get the get the buy in of your, your client if you're working with a client, you get their buy-in, and so they understand what you're doing. That's a great. That's a great step as well. Yeah. yeah. So communication is a key part yeah. of that too. Uh, but having it all process-driven, so that you've got checkpoints and milestones, and yeah. yeah, great. All right. Now, what's the number one thing anyone can do to differentiate themselves? Um, in our case, it was specialisation. 
we decided we'd mm. take uh, a product that hadn't been really modified in any way since the Second World War. And remember, we've got a couple of people who've walked out of a country pub, come across a situation where they thought this, this might have something behind it. But when we dug deep into it, found that nobody, nobody had done any innovation around this product since 1945. And the, and the only, mm-hmm. the time before that had, it had changed was nearly the Industrial Revolution. <laughs> so no, that's, that's how old it was and how, how antiquated it was. And everything around that, the service, the, the approach to customers, the design was awful. And although we didn't know any of those, how to fix any of those things other than service, we knew we could, we could make a change. So in our field, it was specialisation, but without a doubt, uh, Jürgen, and I, I would advise this to everybody, without a doubt, be honest and be transparent with your customer. You will make, mm. you will make mistakes. If you make the mistake, own the, own the mistake and just get over it and uh, then get back in the factory and, and the design team and figure out how not to make that again. But for, for us, it was specialisation and, and being very, very, very transparent with our customers. Hmm. It's interesting. I was reminded there when you said um, that there'd been no innovation since maybe in the Middle Ages before that 1940s one mm-hmm. and and for some reason what flashed in my mind was the image of the um, San Francisco trams mm-hmm. at the end of yeah. um, I think it's is it you know, I can't remember the name of the street there's two places yeah. where they turn them around by hand yeah. and so the tram goes on the on the turntable and there's a few guys yeah. that kind of yeah. push like crazy yeah. to turn them around yeah. And away they go again. That's right. And that hadn't changed much since uh, Galileo, who was one of the first ones to put one on the ground in 1570. <laughs> there's only been about three, <laughs> been about three times in life. There's, people have had a crack at doing this properly and, and took a couple of people from the small country pub in, in country Victoria to have a look at it. <laughs> it's funny how it works, mate, I'll tell you. I didn't, if you'd asked yeah. me in, in 1972 what I'd be doing in, in 2021, I wouldn't have picked this, that's for sure. My old man, he had six kids and uh, seven kids, six boys and a daughter. And without a doubt, the least, the one least interested in engineering and manufacturing was yours truly. I couldn't stand listening to his stories. I couldn't stand him. He was trying to teach me how to uh, all about um, uh, in, in, internal combustion. Well, I, I still don't understand. <laughs> he was beside himself. He gave up on me years ago. Well, lo and behold, the only one that's taken on manufacturing and engineering is the one that was most least likely. And I'm I'm so wild at myself now for not listening way way back then. <laughs> yeah. You know, fifteen or sixteen, yeah, seventeen well. year old, you know everything. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, yeah. So, yeah. Well Dad, Dad um, would be proud. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure he would, yeah. I'm sure he'd he'd be really proud and particularly since it was something that he uh, decided was a need he had, yeah. and all of a sudden now it's um, servicing the needs of all kinds of different industries and people all around the world. Yeah, 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 yeah. be good to talk to him. Great. Well, thanks, Paul. This has been absolutely fabulous. Now, where where can people find out more about the Australian Turntable Company, about you and the other work you're doing, and maybe even reach out and say thanks for what you've shared today? Uh, the, uh, I, I'll be on LinkedIn. Uh, I think you know that I head up, uh, I chair a festival up here called the Benio Innovation Festival, which is, went global last year as well, in 2020. It's just mm-hmm. an extraordinary little event. Uh, we had 5,000 registrations at that. So if they look up the Benio Innovation uh, Festival, but if they look up, just look me up on Google, on uh, LinkedIn. I'm happy to give a, a, an email address if you want me to now. Um, people are happy to contact me via the turntable company if they want to contact me at paul at turntables.com.au I love talking to people <laughs> you haven't got the publican out of me Jürgen yeah yeah <laughs> I'll sit there and talk yeah, all day yes. you were telling me before before we started recording you love hearing people's stories yeah. as well everybody's got a story yeah yeah everybody well, we've been privileged to hear your story today or part of it. You, you mentioned the Bendigo 
innovation festival there and then we'll have a link to that website as well in the show notes because i think there's there's certainly things that are of interest to the listener there that they should check out now where, is that running again this year yeah, later in the year yeah, last year we had uh, we had it themed as um optimism through innovation that was what we themed it mm. and we we put a great deal of emphasis on optimism because we stood up and we wanted to change the language that we were listening to in the press around manufacturing and this was at the end of the bushfires and the start of COVID. we said no let's let's get people feeling better about this uh so we mm. think that that it was we it has been called the benio invention and innovation festival we're going to shorten that this year the benio innovation festival we've got wonderful support all all i ask there is people uh have a look at uh, have a look at it on the website see the speakers and the programs this year, Jürgen, for your interest, and uh, we're doing this purposely, my hometown here in Australia is a regional city of about 120,000 people. But last year, it was designated as a UNESCO, UNESCO City of Gastronomy, the only one in Australia. Mm. And we're putting an emphasis in this year's Innovation Festival on all things food, and that's around food sciences to primary producers to agriculture to uh, people who deliver food like the restauranters and so forth right through to uh, you know climate change and sustainability all of those topics will be up there and uh, we invite anybody it's a it's a free event we invite anybody to listen in and and join us in it's uh, it, it's making a difference in uh, it's making a difference because it's recognized now by the prime minister down all of the all of the parliamentarians as a festival that is uh, delivering uh, a change in perception of regional manufacturing in particular and uh, just showing showing uh, the world that uh, there's great stuff happens in regions all over Australia, all over, not just here, all over, and in rural, mm-hmm. in rural communities. And I've got a bit of a passion, uh, Jürgen, in reinvigorating rural communities. I believe it can be done in this digital world and there's a... There's a, an organisation in Germany that we've done some research project with called Fraunhofer Institute. And uh, mm. if you get one of those people from the Fraunhofer Institute to have a ch- chat on, on uh, in, in Overbuzz, it will captivate people. Uh, they, they will captivate people. Mm. And what they've done is they've been able to show how you can take a rural community that's dying and bring it back to life, mainly because of mm. the world. Yeah. yeah. Great stuff. Sounds fascinating. Yeah. I'm just thinking maybe I should come up and do a podcast coverage of, of the festival. <laughs> well, you'd be most welcome, and we're happy to bring you right into the festival. That's uh, If you have a look at the website, and I'm not selling this, I'm not trying to sell this, but if you have a look at the website and the people that were involved in this festival last year, you'll be amazed. We had the Australian Space Agency deputy head, mm. the head of Ostmine, the head of the Australian Manufacturing Growth Centres, head of CSIRO, all of these people. And you know what they all did? I wrote to every one of them or called them, the head of the Australian Industry Group, Innes Willis, uh, people from overseas, we had people from all around the world speaking. Um, what I did was I rang them and I said, listen, uh, for Innes, for instance, Innes Willis, who's head of the Australian Industry Group, a peak industry body here in Australia, I said, Innes, we want to change the language in the marketplace. We want to make sure that people can believe in themselves and they'll overcome this adversity of the bushfires and this potential pandemic. Will you speak? He and every other speaker said, I'm in. Within a minute, said, I'm in. Yeah. And that every one of those speakers gave their time for nothing. Mm. Everyone. And uh, we, it's an event we don't charge. So I'm telling you, it is such an invigorating little event of re- reassuring and reaffirming people to believe in themselves. They can do it. We can do it. We can do it. We've got the smarts to do anything we want to do. And that applies all over the world. Yeah. So I guess I, my kind of question now is what parting advice would you like our li- like to leave our listener today? And it sounds like that might have been it. Well, my yeah, be optimistic. There's plenty to be optimistic about. Yeah. If, if, if people start talking things down, just look at the other side of the coin. You can do it. We can all do it. Mm. <laughs> if I can do this, mm. I can. <laughs> anybody can do anything. <laughs> 
All right. Well, finally then, Paul, who else should I get on the podcast and why? There's a bloke here in Bendigo that I'd recommend, actually. And he's a like-minded thinker, but he's in education. And his real focus in education is around STEM, uh, or they call it STEAM, Science, Technology, Engineering and Math. And this bloke heads up an organisation called the Bendigo Technical School. I wish they hadn't called it that. It's got nothing. It's not that. It's an. It's yeah. a. It's a state-of-the-art technology education centre for secondary students to understand the the wonderful opportunities in uh, in, in STEM and manufacturing is uh, part of that. And it, he, his name is Graham Wiggins. He's a very smart cookie, mm. a lot smarter than me. I can tell you now. But he's a uh, he, he's He's he he would speak beautifully for you, uh, and I could recommend him to you no matter any time. And he he's he, he's well well spoken. He would uh, articulate his story very well. Uh, apart from that, yeah. Apart from that, well, I don't know. You you pick whoever you like. I I'll listen to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Fabulous. Well, we'll get an intro to Graham from you and then reach out to him and see if we can find a time where we can bring him onto the show as well. Yeah, yeah, he'll be happy. Good on you, mate. Thanks, Jürgen. So thanks so much for sharing your time and insights with us so generously and then the stories, uh, the story of Australian Turntable Company and the philosophy around Mm. how you've built that into a thriving manufacturing based in regional Victoria and and all the other areas that you're involved in around the Bendigo Innovation Festival. So it's been fabulous to listen to all of those and I'm sure there's lots of value here that the listener will take away. So I wish you all the best for the future and let's stay in touch. I'll tell you one final story, Jürgen. I've got to tell you this about Australian Turntable Company. <laughs> we are actually, uh, Bendigo is a regional city, but this, one of the suburbs of Bendigo is a, re- a city called Kangaroo Flat. And our, our business happens to be in Collins Street, Kangaroo Flat. Now, our overseas listeners won't, won't get this, but our Australian listeners will. And that is, whenever people ask me where, we, where we're located, I, I tell them we're at the top end of Collins Street. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, which for, for those people that don't know, Collins Colin Street in Melbourne is probably the most famous Collins Street that, that we know of here. And it's uh, yeah. the top end of Collins Street is where all the expensive uh, medical specialists are and expensive mm. law firms. And yeah. I guess there's, there's probably other... Well, it's law, law firms because it's close to the Supreme Court, the Victorian Supreme Court, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. When, but when people ask me where, where I'm from from overseas, I tell them Kangaroo Flat. I don't tell them Bendigo. So Kangaroo Flat's a real, yeah. it's a real opener for a good conversation. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. No, so, so you have kangaroos jumping up and down the yeah. street there. Yeah. <laughs> Which I guess could be could be the case there in Kangaroo Flat. Mate, I've got them on my doorstep every day, every night, half a dozen of them, eating the new lawn I just put in. Yeah, <laughs> the devils. <laughs> we quite like them here, but yeah. Anyway, yeah. All right, mate. Well, thanks for having me. You're going to have. All right. Well, thank you so much, Paul. I hope you enjoyed that fascinating and delightful conversation with Paul and took something away from his episode. I love Paul's optimism and his philosophy of a focus on inner strengths and inner capabilities, as well as the idea of embracing competition as a driver for improving your own processes, systems and products. I'm curious to know what you took away from Paul's episode. Leave a comment below the blog post that you can find at innovabiz.co forward slash Paul Chapman. That is P-A-U-L-C-H-A-P-M-A-N. All lowercase, all one word, innovabiz.co forward slash Paul Chapman. You'll also find contact information there for getting in touch with Paul, as well as links to the Australian Turntable Company website to Paul's social media pages and the other resources we spoke about in our conversation today. Now, if you like this episode, please do share it with 
two other people that it might help, just two other people. But by doing that, you may be making a huge difference in giving them this access to these wonderful expert guests. Now tag me in that share and I will reach out to you to say thank you with a special little surprise. Paul suggested that we have a conversation with innovation and STEM thought leader Graham Wiggins on a future InnovaBuzz podcast episode. So Graham, keep an eye on your inbox for an invitation from us to the InnovaBuzz podcast courtesy of Paul Chapman. Tune in again to the next episodes of the Innova Buzz podcast where we've got yet more fantastic guests lined up, including the comeback coach Tim Story and Will Leach, author of Marketing to Mind States. Thanks for listening to this episode. Make sure you subscribe to the show to be reminded of new episodes. It's free to subscribe. Leave a review if you like even if you don't like me, I'm okay with that. I'm asking you to leave a review because it helps other people find this show. Go to innovabiz.co to join our marketing transformation community and access a free gift my team and I made for you. It's the Marketing Master Mini Class. We want to give you everything you need to transform your marketing into a human-centered, relationship-focused growth engine. Until next time, I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz. Remember, be awesome and keep innovating.